Shaggy, baby. Ay, ay. Make the money flip. We two turn can't hear what these suckers say. I'm out here doing everything you suckers can't. Two million from some bands trying to bust the bank. The way I'm coming, it ain't fair. Keep it Hi, and welcome to the very first episode of our podcast, Break Some Dishes. We had a plan at the start of this crazy year of 2020 to do a series of talks with people that have been shaking up their industries and leading powerful initiatives. The idea was to channel what we could learn from them and then take that back to our own practice. But before we could even get started, we got canceled thanks to this pandemic. And like the rest of you, we had to pivot. And from that came the birth of this podcast. What's become clear is a sense of urgency. We can't wait until this pandemic is over to address the most pressing problems on our planet. And we all have to step up now and do something. We think our guests on this podcast will inspire us to do just that. And so, without further ado, we are your hosts. Hi, I'm Verda Alexander. And I'm John Strasner. In this, our seminal episode of Break Some Dishes, we're going to be talking to a good friend of mine, Oliver Campbell. Before I go into Oliver and what he does, let me begin this episode with a bit of an update on the state of oceans and what we're doing to them. We fill our oceans with roughly 8 million tons of garbage each year. That's equivalent to a garbage truck being dumped in them every minute. One truck every minute. Think about that. Well, you might say, we recycle, so it can't be that bad. It is. And no, we really don't recycle. In fact, we only collect about 14% of the plastic we use for recycling. By 2050, by weight, we'll have as much plastic in our oceans as we will marine life. What? Do you think I'm making this up? I wish I was. 60% of the world's ocean-bound plastic comes from Southeast Asia, around 50 billion pounds, worth about $63 billion of material value is lost annually from electronics not being disposed of in the right way. Got any old laptops laying around the house, folks? Hey, we celebrated the plastic bag fee. Remember all those haunting images of plastic shopping bags hanging in trees, floating in the ocean like jellyfish? It's sobering, but we dispose of tons and tons of packaging each year. We know we don't recycle it, so if it gets disposed of, it winds up in a landfill. If we're lucky, it stays there. But more often than not, It isn't properly managed, and it winds up in our oceans. My friends, single-use plastic is our demon. Want to hate on someone? Take a stab at Unilever or Procter & Gamble. After the 2018 coastal cleanup, Ocean Conservancy found that seven of their top 10 collected items contains plastic. Wow, right? Now that I've painted an adequately bleak picture, I want to introduce our guest today, Oliver Campbell. He's basically in charge of all the packaging that Dell Computer uh, is in charge of. That's that's a lot. But so is the list of some of the things that Oliver is doing these days to fix the problems I was just talking about. We're so lucky to have Oliver with us today. Many of us look at packaging every day, and I know all of us has, at one time or another, looked at something newly purchased and mused over the wasted materials and packaging. Oliver has been with Dell for over 21 years, and in that time, he's been a pioneer in reducing waste, finding new and sustainable materials, and importantly, taking a big bite out of the massive global problem of ocean plastic. 
Anyone who's looked at the Dell website can quickly see that they have a very robust sustainability program. And they should. Electronics, with all their plastic and precious metals and short lifespans, have a big impact on our planet. We think that our commercial buildings have a big footprint, but so do our electronics. So I'm going to stop talking so we can break some dishes with Oliver today. Oliver, let's talk about Dell and some of the amazing work you're doing. Hola. Hola. Hey, John. How are you, buddy? I'm good. You look a lot better. I'm glad you took that time to powder up and uh, do a little prep. (laughs) Hard to believe... Well, two years ago, we were out in Bali. That's right. We should have stayed there. (laughs) I was just going to say, why did we ever come back? That was not a bad spot. Let me tell you. No, we could have picked up a lot of plastic in those two years. (laughs) (laughs) It reminds me of that that Tom Hanks movie, uh, Castaway. We could have been, uh, you know, by Mm -hmm. now we'd have a couple of long gray beards and uh, wearing... uh, wearing bamboo skirts, but you got yeah, the just, bamboo shirt, so. That's right. Just don't call. start calling me Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> You've had a chance to meet my partner in crime, Verda. Yeah. Um, Hi, Verda. Hi, Oliver. Nice to meet you. Nice meeting you. <laughs> Verda is an amazingly talented designer and artist based in San mm-hmm. Francisco. She's got this really cool firm called O plus A, and they do uh, a lot of work in the Valley. So Verda brings the cool factor into the call for sure. For, I think the best way to start is, is uh, tell us in your own words, you know, what you do for Dell. I think, you know, what I do for Dell, I'm, I'm the packaging guy at Dell. If, uh, you know, any product we make has a, has a box on it, has packaging, and my team is responsible for that packaging. And so we need to make sure it arrives to the customer safely. That's priority number one. Um, <clears throat> that it's economical. That's probably number priority number two. Um, and third, and this has really been increasing, we want that to be a great experience around the packaging, primarily around sustainability. How do we drive more circularity in our packaging? So those are probably the three main things I do for Dell. That's actually my first question, is what got you interested in sustainable packaging and circular economies? Well, I'll take, I'll take the circular economy question first and go into packaging, because that was actually quite accidental. But for... Sustainability, I think I was really influenced where I grew up. I grew up in the beautiful Finger Lakes of upstate New York, worked on a farm growing up. So I think, you know, for those who have worked on farms, you know, (laughs) I think they're almost particularly small farms naturally in a way sustainable because you reuse things constantly. We called it frugal at the time, (laughs) but it was really a lot of those principles go into sustainability. It wasn't until after I left that I realized what a wonderful place upstate New York, particularly the Finger Lakes, were growing up. So I think I've always carried that with me. And here at Dell, I had the opportunity to go into packaging. And and I mentioned this was very accidental. I turned the job down the first time it was offered. A year later, it came back and, and was offered packaging. And in a technology company, you know, packaging is, is really kind of at the bottom of things. I mean, you have all this cool technology and I came, became interested in it from the standpoint of if we could manipulate the size of the box, i.e. make it smaller, you could actually 
physically redirect your supply chain design. So that was what intrigued me. And also at the time, there was a lot of internet and social media activity around big boxes, tiny items. I think people have all experienced get a real big box, you know, a tiny memory stick in it. And you look at it, it's like, what's up with this, right? Verda um, has a box today she wants to show you, actually. Oh, yeah. Is. Okay. <laughs> It doesn't look like a Dell box. That's good. No. <laughs> you know, you know, I don't want to embarrass anybody. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm not going to mention any names here. But that's really what, what got me interested in it were these three things. And, and ultimately what happened is a sustainability factor around materials, particularly oil-based virgin foams, plastics that are been ubiquitous in packaging for decades, this really gave us an opportunity to change those paradigms. And what better place to do that than a tech company, particularly that has great tech DNA and yes. some fantastic supply chain chops. And I, I think a lot of people cop out on packaging too, Oliver, because they say, well, it's corrugated cardboard. So, I mean, it's going to be recycled. So why do we care really, mm-hmm. you know, how much it is. And I, I just remember that experience we had when we were touring that landfill in Athens, Georgia, uh, yeah. standing next to the guy from, well, I'm not, I, I guess I shouldn't say the company, but he was saying all along, who cares how many boxes we ship? It's all corrugated cardboard. And we sat there and watched him watch truck after truck after truck dump corrugated box after corrugated box after corrugated yeah. box into that landfill. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I think everybody might think if you work for a high-tech company and you're focused on packaging, it's not that sexy. But when we look at what you've done with Dell, mm-hmm. it's sexy as hell, right? Mm-hmm. That's your new tagline, by the way. Sexy at, as hell. Look at what I do at <laughs> Dell. I'm sexy as hell. Maybe I should put that on the packaging job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, the packaging is, you know, uh, it's a design feature that's often overlooked. And Verda and I were talking about it yesterday when she was telling me about mm-hmm. this product that she got in the mail. Verda, you should... Do you want to look at my box? Sure. Yeah. Is that, that what you're like talking me. about? Yeah. So, I mean, how many... Yeah. I so love your analogy. Yeah. So this is... Uh, I, I, I equate this to the Russian doll idea, right? So this mm-hmm. is a box within a box within a box for a, a, a piece that I just bought. I, we'll keep the names... Like you said, well, yeah, yeah. So there's one box, yeah, outer box, which does nothing except maybe tell you what's in it. And then there's a white inner box, and yeah. then there's a styrofoam box inside of here. And then inside oh, of that, my unit was packaged in this piece of plastic. <laughs> right? Oh, I know some people who work at that company. I'm going to have to talk to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, oh my goodness. But, but, you know, let me deconstruct that for you. Part of what you're seeing is it was designed that way for supply chain. So that outer box, I bet you they are, that's going to different companies, right? This is used, being used in retail. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they have that inner, inner box. So they have that outer sleeve. And um, you see the styrofoam there. That probably has to do with country of origin. I bet China on that. And... That's strictly a cosplay. Molded paper pulp could do the same job, actually, for the same cost. Actually, mm-hmm. do a better job, honestly, if it's designed correctly. Mm. And that's and you know that that's really one of the I think the the fallacies 
you often hear, hey, sustainability costs more. And, and I really take issue with that, that point of view. I think if it's done badly, like anything else, it's going to cost more. But if one is clever and smart, good sustainability design is going to cost less. And we are living proof of that at Dell. What we've done on our packaging and how we've incorporated um, particularly fibers from bamboo to recycled molded paper pulp, wheat straw, it's, it's been a progressive journey for sure as we've developed the technology, but our sustainable packaging is crazy cheap. <laughs> I, yeah, I, well, I yeah. think that's fantastic, but I, I do think there is a true cost to, the, to this stuff that is nobody mm-hmm. talks about. That mm-hmm. if you added that into the equation, then the sustainable packaging would be way cheaper. There's an environmental it, cost. All yeah. those soft costs that, that go into yeah. that kind of decision. Cost, a social cost. Yeah. You, you see it, you know, you look at landfills in, in Southeast Asia, you know, part of the effect of China's national sword program in 2017, where they, they barred the door to yeah. being the landfill for the world, all this material it's coming back, going into the landfills. Chinese said enough. You can't really blame them for that. Mm-hmm. So some of this material then started going already into overcrowded landfills in Southeast Asia. You look at within Indonesia, such as Bantar Gabang or Smoky Mountain in the Philippines. In these countries, this has been in the news, you know, as of what, a year ago, started sending containers back to Canada, France, United States. And mm-hmm. people are saying enough. On, on material going into landfills and, and how do we get better at recycling materials and really more earth healthy materials, and, and, both from a sourcing end of life. And, and talk a little bit about Southeast Asia. You've spent a lot of time over there trying to mm-hmm. develop a, a global distribution network. What do you find when you go over there? Are these, because I believe now you've, you've stepped into, over the threshold into social activism. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're sustainable and you are addressing environmentalism, but now we're talking about social activism, right? We, in a sense, you are, yes. And I'll use ocean plastic as, uh, as an example. That's an area that Dell has been very active in for a number of years and how we intercept plastic going into the ocean. So technically, we, we have ocean-bound plastic. And speaking with Jenna Jambeck from the University of, of Georgia, she will tell you the best strategy, and this is what we've adopted, Adele on her advice is, you know, if your bathtub is overflowing, to use an analogy, it's better to turn off the faucet first (laughs) before you start bailing, before you bail the tub. And so it's really turning off the tap. And and that's the strategy that that we're employing with Dell and really um, for Next Wave as well, which is a consortium of of like-minded companies. But as we start to set up these, these supply chains in places like Indonesia, for example, for ocean-bound plastic, what comes along with it is a lot of the social and human rights factors as well. Are people being paid a fair wage? Are they working in safe conditions, right? Are children being exploited, right? You don't want to see that. How do you address these things? And so this is something I'm very, very proud of Dell because we knew what we were getting into. We knew there'd be challenges and could have walked away from it. It was like, hey, we don't want to deal with all of this. But at yeah. Dell, we said, you know what? This problem's not going away. We have some of the technology and supply chain to really go make a difference in the world. And this is, this is how companies, I think, live their vision 
and their purpose. And Dell's is, and Michael Dell's quite clear on this. How do we use technology to help people in the planet? Yeah, pretty simple. This is this is a great case of of how to do that and how these things work together. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to talk with you a little bit about your work with Next Wave um, mm-hmm. because I, I'd like you to be able to tell the listeners. Uh, the story of how you got, how you got that started. Cause I know it's not cause you're good buddies with Adrian Grenier and you're out having beers one night or it might be with you. Who knows? <laughs> no, that, that was not the case. Um, I'm not sure I've ever even been to Hollywood, but been to Los <laughs> Angeles, but not Hollywood. Um, no, it, it, it started out and this is very interesting. Adrian, uh, this is probably back about 2015, uh, Adrian was uh, Dell's social good advocate. So at, at Dell, you know, we're a, a tech company. So by nature, I think we're probably on the nerdy side, right? We're very comfortable talking about yep. technology and computers. And we're not always quite so good at relating to the general the public. And, and so how do you bridge that? So this is the, the basics of, of the idea. And... Adrian uh, was hired as our, our social good advocate. He really had a lot of free reign, really no restrictions on, on what he wanted to work on, promote, how he wanted to talk about things. So it was, it was, it was really a pretty neat experiment. And um, so Adrian arrives in Austin, Texas, looks around, and what's he want to talk about is packaging. And, and the reason for that was he had a foundation called the Lonely Whale. Foundation. So he had an interest in oceans, and there's a certain whale. I guess it's its only type of its whale species. It's all by himself in the Pacific Ocean, and he swims around calling for a mate. Or <laughs> you know, he's the lonely whale. That's where it came from. And and as a result of that, Adrian really developed a, an awareness around ocean plastic. And one of the major, major causes of ocean plastic is, is packaging. And so this is how this association got, got started, is we started to look at ocean plastic. It was kind of fun because the initial ideas were, hey, let's get a film crew and a boat, kind of like Tor Hydrothal meets Jacques Cousteau, and we're going to steam out to the you know, the great <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pacific, you know, I see it. I see patch, it. right? It's a you great know, Netflix series. Yep. That was a great, you know, we're all seeing stars in our eyes. And as we started <laughs> to research it, you know, there's, there's no like island of ocean plastic out there. It's more like a, a soupy mix right. of really small particles. Um, and so that really drove us over to uh, intercepting Plastic, and then as we became aware of the scale of the problem, you know, eight million tons a year, more plastic than fish by 2050. You know, everybody knows these horrible statistics. That's really where the thought entered our minds to create a consortium where we could really uh, commercially scale and make com- economically viable ocean-bound plastic. And so to do that. We needed a bigger group, and that was really the genesis of uh, of Next Wave. It's about scale. It's about it's about scale. It's about developing dependable, functional supply chains, right? Um, because if you want to integrate it into a business's product, you know that type of material has to be there 
reliably there every day. Mm. Every day. Yeah, you can't run out of it. No, because then you then then you renege on your brand promise to customers. Yeah, which is interesting because anybody that wants to know what Dell is doing can get on your website and mm-hmm. you're very transparent about yeah. about your initiatives. But I think you do two things that are hugely important. Number one, you have a goal for every initiative. It's not mm-hmm. just uh, some pie in the mm-hmm. sky. We want to do better, right? Yep. And you publicize it. Mm-hmm. So That's, everybody yep. knows it. And there's a reason. There's two reasons. And and I think people point is like, and there's some truth in it is people, you know, want to tout the good things that they're doing. I think that's human nature. Dell's Dell's no different um, than in that res- respect. Not some, you know, I don't apologize for that. But I think the other aspect for a lot of our initiatives, and, and again, I'll use ocean plastic, is by promoting it, you start to create these commercial supply chains that drive usage. Okay. And we've we've seen tremendous success with this and in in the fibers that we've used in packaging, both from bamboo, which is a rapid renewable, widely used in the industry, to recycled, you know, corrugates, molded paper pulps. We're big, big users of that. And these start to drive these circular economy supply chains. When you talk about it, people we get a lot of phone calls. Hey, tell me, please tell me what you're doing, how can I do it? Give me some tips. Can you advise us? Yeah. Um, I had, I've had two calls like that this week already. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so. that's great. One of my big interests is this, well, you talked earlier about Dell having this purpose, which mm-hmm. is amazing, but you've also got profits. And I, yeah. how can you truly put purpose before profits or can they somehow coexist? I, I think about this, old classic, The Limits of Growth, where the author talks about the fact that you can't keep growing an economy based on stock on a planet that's limited. And Dell, we, we've got to admit, is making stuff. Yeah. And so, I mean, is it, is it, can you truly be part of a circular economy? If, sure. Um, and, and can you transition from this idea of growing, or is that something that you want to do, to this idea of thriving, where you're actually thinking about everyone in the planet and not just... Profit. Well, I, I like I like thriving. I think you need to have both. It's it's like most things in life. You know, if you're one guardrail or, or the other, one extreme or the other, that may work for a while, but it doesn't it doesn't really work over the long term. And I think what purpose does that is what drives the creativity and innovation for your products, for your customers, your communities. And if you do a good job of that, the profit's going to come back and take care of itself. And that's how you reinvest it back into the business. You know, if if Dell were not profitable, I couldn't do the things I do and have the impact not only on our company, our industry, the broader packaging industry without Dell actually being profitable and successful. And so I think you get into these virtuous cycles, but they do require a balance between the two. And they do require, I think, a very thoughtful vision. And our technology, you know, the computers that we're using to hold this call, right? That goes back in and funds things like ocean-bound plastic projects. It funds programs where we have Pollution Inc. This is one that we developed in India where we're taking the smog 
from diesel generators and oil coal-fired power plants in India. We're capturing that. We're making that into ink, and we're putting that on our boxes. And in India alone, uh, it cleans the equivalent amount of air for 100,000 people. And so the amount we spend on that is really a fraction of a penny per box. I mean, it's it's a tiny amount. Um, We're exporting this technology to China. Uh, We're ramping up our use in China. And our goal is to clean clean the air ultimately for a million people. Beyond that, we act as a catalyst and we want others to adopt this technology. We don't have really any restrictions on it. Is how do you then clean the air for 5 million, 10 million, 100 million people? I think this is the real value is how you, is we can bring these technologies to market, get others to adopt them because there's a compelling story and the economics behind it are good. It's cost parity or better. And this is how you drive really lasting change and you accomplish all your goals. And listening to you talk, Oliver, you are authentic. And I say this because you guys, you were, you were open sourced with the you work yeah. you were doing on ocean plastic. Yeah. And so, you know, now you've, you've brought these other companies into your collaborative, you've shared your mm-hmm. technology and you've even, there's even a competitor of yours. We have competitors. Yes, we do. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, you practice what you preach, you know, walk mm-hmm. the walk, talk the talk, all that stuff. But I mean, yeah. you're, when you guys say we're open source, we want to share this because we want everybody We want to scale it up. We want it to be global. It's the right thing to do. That speaks volumes. Are you open sourcing this pollution to ink thing too, or are you not ready to do that yet? You are. Yes, Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, that's that's really amazing. So that is so amazing. I just I can't. I'm I'm just amazed, awestruck by the your innovation. You you Mm -hmm. you, it it makes me think that you're a designer. Do you? consider yourself a designer your process yeah. is very collaborative yeah. very cross-pollinating yeah. and you're yeah it's incredible it's ideas. yeah it's very much consider myself a, a designer you know my my educational background engineering which is i i would argue is one of the design arts yeah and you know that we find i find a lot of creativity in what we do you know something is as, as ubiquitous as is a corrugated box. You know, we're talking about corrugated boxes. There's actually a lot you can do with corrugated boxes, very simple structures. You don't need complex products or designs to be creative, to be a creative designer and drive, I think, lasting change. You know, Pollution Inc. is is one of my favorite initiatives that we had. You know, for me, that's the little project that could. (laughs) Really, what we spent on Inc., um, Almost trivial, almost trivial. Yet the impact it can have on people's lives is tremendous. And right. so it fits with our vision. It fits with the business. Um, and so, you know, when we looked at it, it's like, why would we not want to do this? Yeah. <laughs> it became an easy decision. Yeah. Yeah, the the people in the technology section of uh, of Dell probably look at you in packaging and they're like, "Come on, man, you're making us look bad. Can you, just, <laughs> can you stop with all this craziness? Like, we're supposed to be the innovators here. We're doing yeah, the technology. We 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 got a lot of great innovators on the product side. You know, we we use and I'll give a shout out to 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 one of my colleagues. Um, great creativity in what he's done in recycling uh, waste 
carbon, carbon fiber from the aircraft industry. And that actually goes into Dell computers. It replaces magnesium. It's lower cost, lighter, better performing. Hmm. So you can see this on, on some of our XPS and Latitude product lines. We might need to get him on our show, John. Yeah, we might have to. We yeah. might have to. We, we, were, we, were, we were talking about, you know, it's amazing what you're doing with packaging. At the same time, you must look at what technology does to landfills, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that, you know, a laptop is obsolete in two or three years, a cell phone. Uh, there's so many precious... Those are, those are competitors' laptops. Ours. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a bit about your take-back program. Yeah, I, I, I'm teeing it up for you, buddy. I'm teeing it up for you. Oh, that's really a big quick, softball. Sure, really quick, the longest-lasting computer I've ever had was a Dell. So there oh, you go. Thank you. <laughs> and it lasted me 10 years. <laughs> I think it's time to buy a new one. Check out our new XPS products. <laughs> the LA Times, the LA Times featured us on uh, Earth Day. So check it out. And uh, look at that. I have. But, but, you know, we've got a few minutes here, but just so, tell us a little bit about that. So our, our Take Back program, um, I think, is really one of the hero stories of Dell. Since 2007, we've, we've taken back over, I think, $2 billion, billion with a B, pounds of material and we do this i think it's like 87 countries here in the united states it's it's through goodwill and so it's not just dell computers if you own a competitor product uh, you can take it in there too dell administers this this program there's no strings attached and they do things they look at the the level of technology they wipe the things like the hard drives they'll resell it if it's resaleable uh, if it's not, they'll strip the components, and if those aren't usable, they have processes that sustainably dispose of them. There's that program. We've incorporated over 100 million pounds of recycled material into products, so that's a really big number. And beyond that, looking forward to our 2030 moonshot goals, we have a goal to take back for every pound of product that we sell, we're going to take back an equivalent pound of product. So if we're selling notebooks, we're going to take back an equivalent amount of notebooks. That's a very, very audacious goal. That's why it's called yeah. shot. And on the on the product side, 50% of our products will be made from recycled or renewable content. And I'll put a plug in on the packaging. 100% of our packaging uh, will be made from recycled or renewable content. And we're about 85% of the way to that specific goal on packaging. So very, very ambitious around circular economy on take back our products and our packaging. It sounds like you've just had an unwavering purpose and that everything else just falls into place, including, like you said, profits follow. I think so. You know, and it really helps Michael Dell, where Dell obviously is, is owned by, by Michael Dell. His name is on the side of every box. And, and I think that really gives him he looks at it differently. You know, he, he really takes a long-term view and he's been a tremendous leader in that regard. Yeah. All right, man. I appreciate right. your generosity, my friend. Hey, John, hey. always good talking to you. Love the hat. Verda. <laughs> I don't know why you hang out with this guy, but anyway. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> she, hey, man, she's been trying to lose me for the last three or four years. I'm, I just, I keep hanging on. <laughs> hey, thanks All for right. your first guest. 
All right. Yeah, you good. are. You're our inaugural guest, man. You're the first. You're the first. So, man. Pretty, <laughs> you know, when you told me that, is like, man, I got to find time for you. I, yeah. I don't want to let you down. <laughs> we, we had some great times. So, hopefully, those Absolutely. continue. Well, and hopefully, when Verda and I hit episode 1000, you know, we'll reach out to you to be, to be back for back. the uh, anniversary edition. <laughs> well, hopefully, uh, I'll still be doing this. <laughs> yeah, I hear you, buddy. Thank you. And we'll All talk right. to you, we'll see you we'll later. again soon. Take care. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye.